Welcome to Ponderings from the Perch, the official podcast of Little Bird Marketing. This episode is happily brought to you by Greenbook. Greenbook connects marketers and market researchers with people, information, and ideas that generate better business results. Through their Grit Report, the IIEX event series, the Greenbook blog, and their market research directory, Greenbook provides the tools and the inspiration that insights professionals need to succeed. Be sure to check them out at greenbook.org. Well, I'm so excited to have Will Leach on my podcast, and I'm just gonna, we're going to start, right? We're just going to jump into the fun and just, Will, so many people have been trying to connect us um, over the last couple of months. Apparently, they think you and I belong together. What do you think? I think yeah, I think uh, I think you're right. I've heard about you for uh, the last couple of years, and finally, we're going to uh, be spending some time together on stage. Right. So when I, when I, it, it, it was so, I, I won't even go into it because it's a long story, but it was the craziest thing how it converged. Someone literally really said your name to me. Hey, you know, you really still have to meet this Will Leach. And then I got off a plane. Somebody, you know, um, uh, texted me something about a meeting. I was just about ready to go in and, and said, yeah, I'll be right there. I'm, I'm, I'm finishing a meeting with Will Leach. I'm like, wait a minute, that's that same name. And then, <laughs> and then I got an, e- I got off the plane. I go and I sit down in the lobby to get on this other call and I get an email from Green Book saying, Hey, would you co-chair this event with Will Leach? I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> Wow. Well, that's definitely it is. Uh, it's time for us to actually come together and yes. change the world. So, yes, wow, that's exactly. a cool story. Well, I think we'll have a lot of fun. But I, like I said, when I first met you, I'm like, you better be cool. <laughs> <laughs> like, so I'll do my best. I'll, I will be as cool as you will let me. Right, right. Well, you know, so tell us, a li- we're gonna, I'm going to go into your bio. I'm going to go into like cool stuff to get people really connected with who you are. But let's like talk about the real Will Leach. So you are in market research. So you are some kind of nerd. But you know, you and I both agree that uh, being a nerd these days has a lot of cool factor, don't you think? That's right. We finally we finally made it up the uh, the, the food chain. And now we're up at the higher echelon. So we just had to wait our turn. And now we're there. <laughs> It yeah. is very, uh, we're obviously about the same age. So, you know, yep. I feel like we could um, do maybe a marketing research, you know, conference like John Hughes movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, That's right. Everybody we're who's fine. on the speaking stage, basically, we're, we're slided in high school. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. But now it's our turn. That's right. The Gen Xers finally ready to take on the world. I think we should do the, like, create the movie vignette. I think it would be really funny. <laughs> I mean, uh, we could get that guy who does the trailer voices for everyone to do the trailer, too. I uh, know. He's in vogue this time, too. He's doing all these commercials now. I love him. Oh, I love yeah. him. He's, just, he's, he's taking a bath in his money, I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, let's talk that. a little bit about what you do day to day. Obviously, you're the founder of Trigger Point, and I know I've I've heard from all different directions. Obviously, Trigger Point is a leading behavioral research and design consultancy, and that's why people kind of keep putting us together. But you guys specialize in System One marketing, and so I'm just going to break this down into just everyday people talk. <laughs> but Trigger yep. Point, from what I see, it helps uh, very large brands understand. What is actually going on with the consumer? What's changing right now in the consumer and in employee behavior and how that is driving, you know, what you do uh, in behavioral research and design? So I know you come to it with a lot of experience, but you've recently written a book called Marketing to Mind States, and we're going to talk about that today. But tell me a little bit about your day to day over there at Trigger Point. 
That's right. Well, I'm here in Dallas, Texas, and we started, oh, about four years ago after about 20 years of client-side marketing research. So I was on the client side working with biotech and um, also in energy, and then I found my way over to PepsiCo for, for a while, and it was there where we were first introduced to this idea of system one marketing, which we'll talk about, but this idea that we make all these decisions at the non-conscious level, and we're not always aware of it. And so I, I teach over here at SMU, and um, one of the stats I'll tell you, and it's kind of, it puts things into perspective for you in the audience, but the stats will tell you that you make about 35,000 decisions on any given day, like 35,000. <laughs> no, no wonder right? I'm so exhausted. Oh, it's so funny you would say that because last night I, I did, I spoke at an entrepreneurial, like an extension course in, you know, for our county and it was actually super fun, but I came home and it was pretty late and, um, you know, I got my kids off to bed and stuff and I sat down, I'm like, you know, I usually we sit and read. And I was like, I just want to watch something. And I'm like, and I said, I literally said to my husband, I said, I am decisioned out. Should we watch uh -huh. Endeavor or should we watch the Great British Baking Show? And he just looked at me like, oh my gosh, you can't even decide that. No, I'm exhausted. I'm I, So this is a real thing. This, this decision, decision fatigue. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. Absolutely true. And that's actually why system one exists. Because if you didn't have this system one way of making decisions, which is really just using your emotional parts of your brain to help make decisions easier. If you didn't have that, you would have to do cost benefit analyses of every single one of those 35,000 <laughs> decisions. And you wouldn't, you wouldn't get out of bed, right? Could you imagine that? You're like, okay, the alarm went off. Should I turn on the alarm? Should I turn off the alarm? Should I use my left hand? Should I use my right hand? Should I get out of bed or should I not get out of bed? Imagine all those decisions. So what your brain has done on, a, on our behalf is basically make decision making easier. So if the if the vast majority of decisions, you know, um, aren't made with this kind of cost benefit system to rational thinking, well, then how are they made? That's the idea around system one. Okay, so just a tiny primer for people. So system one, some people even call it and I'm going to let you, you're the expert, kind of elaborate on this. But just I, in our show, we constantly pull the curtain back. I don't want to like gloss over things or use jargon or make people feel stupid. You know, this is obviously what you do all day long and you're the expert. But I want to just break it down for just a second before we go into these really cool conversations. So system one thinking is what people would typically call maybe irrational, maybe more emotional decisions, maybe auto autopilot, whatever you do. But it's the instinctual brain, correct? That's correct. Okay. And system two is more that rational, like what you mentioned, cost benefit, you know, like, um, uh, you know, this, yep. this analysis, rational decision making, you know, this is our, um, uh, our, our conscious and conscientious brain, right, is thinking carefully uh, about things. So, you know, that's, that's what it is for the thinking. But, you know, bring us into what that means for marketing and how that sets up trigger point. That's right. So it was this understanding back, you know, years ago when we started really understanding kind of considered decision making versus more non-considered emotional decision making, like you said. And the way it comes out is imagine you're in a grocery store and you're sitting there and you're going to make a decision around what cereal am I going to buy? Well, most people don't really have strong cost benefit, rational thinking around cereal. 
Actually, what they do is they just go, they find a brand that they like. It may be on deal, it may not be on deal, and they will go ahead and they'll take that. So if you've ever spent any time thinking about groceries, grocery shopping, you're in the minority. The vast majority <laughs> of people don't think a whole lot about it. You're using the system one habits and rituals and things that come to mind as you're just flowing through your everyday kind of experiencing life. So if that's the case, when you're doing research, and I did tons of research for 20 years, watching how people make these really fast emotional decisions, and they're not sitting there looking at the backs of cereal boxes and the backs of makeup and the backs of bags of chips, then why are we messaging in that way? And so that's what kind of, you know, behavioral design is. It's taking into account those emotional, non-conscious habits and rituals and putting those into marketing. And that was an outage in the industry for a long, long time. It's starting to get um, kind of, kind of a uh, new bridge is starting to happen to bring the research into the design. And that's what Trigger Point in, a, in its essence does. Awesome. Awesome. And so what, you know, you've You've been doing that for over 20 years, and obviously there were a lot of questions that you had knocking around. So what was the inspiration behind this new book, Marketing to Mind States? Yep. So, you know, hey, the by idea- the way, cool cover, man. Thank you. Yeah. And there's psychological <laughs> primes, frames, and triggers. So I'll let you think about that, and you come back to me with what you think is happening on that cover. So there's very deliberate oh, really? uh, purpose behind that. Um, so this is the idea. It's it's the, the the need for behavioral design started long before the book. And, and this is my time at PepsiCo, where there's this idea that we were doing deep psychological research um, and bringing those insights to marketers and to brand managers and to copywriters and agencies. But yet there's something lost in translation because I was talking about metaphors and I was talking about emotional priming. And um, and marketers and people in the design space and agencies were talking about story and they're talking about narrative and heart. And there's just something lost in translation. That's the reason why we exist is to try to bridge that science to the actual marketing. Now, the book itself. So we've been doing that at Trigger Point for a couple of years, four or five years. The book itself actually started the idea about 18 months ago. And I was at an IIX event, which is a... Uh, Oh, it's a marketing research event that's kind of um, focused a lot on new innovation. And I was asked to head a table um, around behavior design. And so I put a very high level under um, kind of a sign about what is behavioral design and people were invited to come to the table. And so there are eight chairs around the table. And then all of a sudden, you know, that filled up very, very quickly. And I had basically an hour with people. And uh, my job was just to facilitate a discussion around the table about behavioral design because I'm an expert in that space. So then more chairs showed up. So I had about 12 people. So people were taking chairs from other tables and bringing them around. So I had like 12 people on my table. I'm really excited. And I start off the conversation like, okay, guys, um, let's talk about behavioral design. And all of a sudden the first hand goes up. And uh, the person, uh, I can't remember who it was, said to me, it was, it was a brand manager. I do remember that. said, what is behavioral design? I, I don't even know what you're talking about. So like, okay, great. Let me talk about behavioral design. And so we just had this same conversation you and I had just now, Priscilla. Mm-hmm. Then people are nodding. And I go, okay, guys. So what books are you kind of currently reading that help you with that? And there was crickets. <laughs> There's nothing. You're all opportunity knocks. Opportunity <laughs> knocks. Exactly. So, and I thought there are books out there because I'm really deep into the science. So I'm making that translation because I was also a marketer at PepsiCo. But a lot of people don't have the ability and they don't have that experience 
So it was in that space where there was no books there. And so I put a bunch on the table and people had like, I'd never seen these books. I'd never heard about predictability or rational. I'd never heard about thinking fast and slow. I'd never heard about Freakonomics. And that's when I thought, wow, I need to do something about something that's very practical. And so I spent the better, better part of 18 months writing this, which is a very practical guide. I mean, there's tons of books out there on the sciences and I can list those and they're on my website that you can, if you want to get into the science, great, go for it. This book is not for that. This book is, is kind of not for the behavioral scientist. This book is kind of written for brand managers, agency planners who don't want to learn or, or earn a PhD while they're reading. It's right. for practicality. Well, I, I say this all the time about marketing, and this is, you know, this is totally, this is totally true. We operate a certain way out out in the world when we're people. So, you know, I just didn't want to make a decision. So I made my husband do this. Or, you know, like yeah. the reality is, is that I happen to like orange. So packaging with orange just kind of passes my system one, you know, check, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, you know, th- things like this. We operate and we, we, we seem as adults to be, you know, awake and alive to the idea that we do this as humans and consumers. But then we walk into our office, our very serious position, and then we start doing things in a very different way. And I, I you know, you're you're talking about it in, you know, consumer like in designing packages and CPG and um, consumer um, product goods and stuff like this. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I talk about it a lot in how people talk in a social post or in a blog yeah. or, you know, why are you a human out there? And then you walk into your office and now you're you're writing some copy that no human wants to read. Yeah, <laughs> that's so true. It's like we completely shift as if because we're k- kidding ourselves. We think on some level that supposedly we are rational human beings all the time. We're not. No, I know. It's funny. Tomasio has that really famous quote that everybody uses and overuses all the time. But it's something in the vein of we like to think of ourselves as these rational humans that make emotional decisions. But we're really emotional people who make rational kind of post decisions. And I think that's really, really true. I think we rationalize our decisions. I don't think they're rational. You know, they're not rational decisions to begin with. We but we do rationalize them later. Oh, well, this new, you know, hybrid, um, you know, Volvo is going to save me gas. (laughs) That's why I bought it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. The the color blue was a really awesome sparkly blue. My wife bought a a Volvo, uh, I mean, a a, a Volkswagen years ago, and it was a really beautiful color blue. And that ultimately was the deciding factor. Right, right. You just got to be honest sometimes about it. Well, I'll give a plug. You know, you mentioned that that happened to you at the IIEX. um, And that's actually where you and I will be co-chairing coming up really soon. Um, But actually, it will have already happened by the time this actually goes uh, live. But um, yeah, it's going to be super fun to be at IIEX Behavior and be able to be in all these conversations. But let's move on a little bit more to your book because I I want people to really get an understanding of it. And I will say this for, you know, the next um, we're going to buy five extra copies and um, for, you know, if anybody will give us, let me think of something. How about an iTunes review? Give us an iTunes to how people find this podcast, Ponderings from the Perch. And, Love it. You know, give, give us an iTunes or Stitcher, wherever you downloaded this podcast. They'll give us a review. Shoot me an email saying, hey, I gave you guys a review. I will give you this book. So if you're interested in this book, um, you know, let, let's do that. You can't have my copy because mine's, you know, <laughs> marked up a little bit. So um, we'll have to just get five separate ones. But let's let's do that. So if this is something that's really interesting to you, do not miss this book. So let me let me ask you this. If someone reads this book, what are you hoping they walk away from it? Because you already kind of showed your hand a little bit about that saying, you know, I'm not interested in people who want the PhD level of it, but how does this affect our everyday life? So what what are you hoping this does to teach or train people? Yeah, I, I think it, 
at its onset, I think I want it to be inspirational. I want to just very quickly in the book describe this idea that we live in a world that is constantly influencing us and it's outside of our, our awareness. And if that's the case, I'm hoping that this book will inspire you to understand that we need to account for these non-conscious factors, whether it's the lighting in a room, a conversation that you're having with somebody, the words that they use, the colors inside of packaging and the way that benefits are being framed up. So if I can inspire people first and foremost to think about there are factors, the second thing I want to do is, okay, well now what do we do in a world where we have that 95% of all of these decisions are being highly influenced by these non-conscious factors? What am I going to do? How am I going to navigate that world? That's what this book is going to help you do at a specific point. It, it, like, like you said, actually, Priscilla, behavioral sciences are, you can use these same types of techniques for parenting, for management, organizational management, for selling, uh, for social media and, and PR. This book is going to be specifically focused on marketing. And it's written for the big brands as much as it's written for the local uh, dentist office who just wants to get a bump up on their messaging. It's for the mm -hmm. local real estate agent who wants to also get kind of a little extra bump on their on their marketing and the, the success of their marketing. Mm hmm. You know, it's funny you say that because I was just talking with uh, with a real estate uh, client. They have obviously, a, you know, scaling a pretty large team. And, you know, it, it was the first time in this, this was a preliminary conversation they came in. And it's the first time this team really had thought about, you know, and I, I kind of hate to use jargon, but like lifestyle blogging, you know, or, yeah. you know, this idea that people aren't making rational decisions about the house. Oh, this has less property tax. And, I, you know, we had this full on conversation. No, the, first of all, the woman in general, you know, nine out of 10 times is making an emotional decision about the house. And it's either about yep. this school system or it's about this bathtub or it's about this faucet on the kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> you know, That's I mean, so OK, true. there might be two other things that might have. But there's something emotionally that like somehow she walked in that and thought, oh, I could have my family here. Like there was an emotional yeah. she made that. And so, you know, instead of going around it and acting like as if it's about the square footage and as if it's about the fenced in yard or whatever, you know, is really trying to hone in on what is the emotional connection that you can make with this, you know, buyer and tell that tell that story right like just put that at the forefront yeah. if you feel it say it so i love that thought yes it does apply to everything and i even like the idea of you know it applying to parenting and other kinds of leadership and it's yeah. got me thinking maybe i need to reread some of these sections and think about it in terms of my own leadership here you know yeah. at, at, at little bird and think about well how am i developing people and how am i making sure that you know some you know people talk about even why people stay at businesses why they are loyal you know those are very emotional decisions too because people say all the time that you know they they leave you know for you know a, a pay raise but we all know that the, the the truth of the matter is that that when you really look at the stats that's not why most people leave a, a company yeah no i told i totally agree with that and you know what i try to get across here is that there is science behind emotional marketing. Mm -hmm. So when I was at PepsiCo and you would have agencies come in or anybody and they go, we're gonna make an emotional campaign. And I'm all for that because emotion drives decision-making. We all know that. The problem I think is, is that people define emotion and how they're gonna get there in unscientific ways. Mm -hmm. They use intuition, mm -hmm. their gut. I used to work on this campaign before and it worked over on this campaign, so I'm gonna bring that idea to you. You guys, we kind of realize that there is science 
behind emotional arousal. Mm -hmm. And what this book does is it defines those four sciences in clear terms and then says, okay, so if we're going to create emotional marketing, let's do it in a way that's comprehensive and distinct to a particular mind state that we believe will influence the market. So I'm trying to bring science into design. I love this, this kind of beautiful tension behind emotional marketing and behavioral science. And that it's, it's between the science and the designs where you get this, this beautiful amalgamation of really impactful, kind of really strong marketing. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that, oh my gosh, that's so well said. Let's take a break from this awesome content and listen to something from our awesome sponsor. The IIEX conference season has begun, and if you haven't registered for one of these events, you absolutely need to. Presented by Greenbook, IIEX is a global TED-inspired, future-focused event in the market research and insight space. On November 28th and 29th, join me in Bangkok for IIEX Asia Pacific. This event has an amazing speaker lineup, including me, and other thought leaders from Nestle, AirAsia, BBC, and Diageo. For registration and event details, visit iiex-ap.insightinnovation.org or just check out the link in our show notes. Plus, save 20% on registration with the promo code LITTLEBIRD. Remember, things happen first at IIEX. I can't wait to see you there. I do love being at, you know, these IIX behavior or any of the other industry conferences and talking with people who are really seeing the actual data and doing these interesting focus groups and doing interesting, you know, whether it's qualitative or quantitative, but they're gathering the data in order to understand how to actually, um, you know, execute the the next campaign. So yep. tell us an interesting story from your days at PepsiCo, but then we're, we're going to run back to the book a little bit. Sure. So I'll tell you about the study that actually made me, and I loved my time at PepsiCo, but the study that made me want to do this with my life. Um, and I, and I talk about it in the book, but it was this, uh, it's this one project that I did where, um, what we were trying to do was pay for these things called barrel coolers. And what a barrel cooler was, was that PepsiCo was investing lots of money into coolers that have a refrigeration unit at the very bottom of it that had a battery recharge or charger in there. So the idea was that you could load ice in it, put a bunch of sodas in there, wrap that barrel cooler, kind of looks like a Pepsi can, wrap it up with um, some chips and try to sell those in convenience stores, chips and, and, and beverages. And they, uh, at the time I was sitting over there working with them and they weren't getting investments or they weren't getting kind of the return on their investment, these barrel coolers. And so I just kind of started behavioral science and behavioral economics at PepsiCo. And I had a sales team that was really hungry for some insights because they were getting pressured. Like, Hey, we spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on these things. We're sending them all over the country and they don't seem to be paying out. So what we did was some, like you said, some deep research to understand uh, four different factors that influence people in convenience stores. What were their, and these are for Gen X guys um, that we're really focused on. So what were their goals when they reached, when they went into a convenience store? What are they motivated by? What's their regulatory focus? And then some cognitive heuristics. And you'll read all about that in the book. But here's the idea was that what we did was it's the traditional kind of bundling opportunity you see in CPG and consumer packaged goods is that you buy, buy two things, get one low price, buy two things, get one low price, right? So it's the classic bundle, buy, buy these two things, save a dollar. Well, th we looked at this concept from Ravi Dar over in Yale 
And he did a, a piece of research years before that talked about this idea of rather than placing the discount on both items, what if you took that same dollar discount and placed it on one of the two items that people felt slightly guilty about, that there was a little bit of, of kind of guilt associated with it? So in this case, we did some work. We said we found out that people just slightly feel more guilty about buying a soda than they do a chip. And we didn't get into the depths of why, really. It doesn't even matter. All I knew is that if I discounted the beverage and rather than saying buy both together and save a dollar, I said buy both together, save a dollar on the soda. It's actually 55 cents in, in, the, in the real study. People now feel like they get the value, but you're actually discounting their guilt a little bit. You're making that feel, that little bit of guilt feel a little bit more acceptable because, well, I'm not paying as much for that. That little <laughs> thing bumped up sales. We did it in some test markets here in Dallas and it bumped up sales quite a bit. That study blew my mind because rational thinking would tell you, wait, wait, it's the same discount. Oh, you don't try, that's stupid. Why would that have any influence? I am telling you, it influences. And that study right there changed the way I thought about marketing because I wasn't trying to put a, a star on uh, you know, maybe a, a new sports or an athlete on, on the uh, on the display. I wasn't trying to discount my way into getting you or tricking you into, into trying to get you to take on more products than you wanted. I was just using a simple reframe, a slight change in words to influence behavior. And they're not supposed to do that in rational. A rational person would never have thought that that would work, but it actually did work. And so that changed my total life um, into doing this full time. Gosh, that is a good story. Oh, my gosh. And it's like it, it, the curious person, you know, has that experience and goes, there's more to this. There's more. Let me dig deeper. Like, it, you know, as opposed to this isn't a fluke. This is this is obviously mm -hmm. how people behave. What what else could be under this? If we really got good about the science and could, it, you know, implement it. Where could this go? I, I love it. It's awesome. Hey, sometimes on this podcast, I like to pull back the curtain just on what's going on behind, you know, all of this great stuff that we're talking about and the thought leadership that's going on. But can we pull that back and talk a little bit about kind of the practicality of what it took for you to write the book? Wow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Don't cry too much, though. <laughs> I know. It's one of those things that I'm cautious about telling people to do because I'm very proud of it. And at uh -huh. the same time, it was a commitment yeah. uh, to do. So the first um, advice I, I was given was, you know, Will, wait until you have enough personal as well as professional examples in a book of like this. Because I, you'll see, and, and, and you know, Priscilla, I, I start off the whole book talking about the birth of my son because I wanted this to be relatable to anybody. So uh -huh. on all these concepts, I always bring a, a, a part of a decision that I made or that I was a part of on my personal life mm -hmm. um, and then also something on the professional life. So mm -hmm. the first advice I was given was make sure that it's relatable on both ends of the spectrum because we all don't have jobs in corporate America you know, and we all don't have experiences on brand marketing and things like that. So that's kind of the first part um, that I would tell you. The second part um, in terms of the practicality was getting somebody who does this um, for a living to help me through it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think sometimes we think we can do it all. And if you look at any major company, any major, any company at all, you find out quickly that you want to outsource the things that you don't do well. So you can focus on the things that you do. Well, mm -hmm. I love behavioral science. I love <laughs> it. I breathe it. I look at commercials differently. 
I talk fast because of it. Um, I drive my family nuts because I, I'm constantly thinking about how, how when people put the sprinklers on or uh, maybe like the, 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 the misters on at a grocery store, I'm telling my son why they're doing that from a behavioral psychology perspective. And he just wants to go to the candy aisle. <laughs> so people do what they do best, which right. was I hired a company to bring these thoughts out of my head. And I worked with I worked with a great company called Scribe to do all that work for me. And that's the practicality that all b- people that are listening to this podcast if you have a book in your head, I would encourage you to have somebody who knows what they're doing help you bring that out because it was all there. I just needed structure and accountability, and that's what I was given. Well, what was what was like the coolest moment? Or I, I, sometimes I hate superlatives. Just share something that was, man, this was a great experience. I mean, when, when did it hit you that this is, oh, man, I, I, I'm so glad I wrote this book? You know, I'll give you two because one of them, I don't know if it was distinct to me or not, but it was emotionally important to me. It was actually after the book was, I was on my last edit. So I was given the manuscript and uh, I was making final edits and I'm reading it and reading it. And it dawned on me that my son, who's right now nine years old, he can hear his dad's voice when he's 70 years old. Mm -hmm. There's something really powerful in that, in that idea that he can read this book years and years long after I'm off this earth that he can hear his dad's voice because it's my voice. It is, it, these are my stories, my, my, my words, my tone. There is something powerful in that. That was a beautiful um, benefit that I never thought of on the book side. I just wanted to get this out to share it with the world. I never thought about the idea of sharing it with my, with my own son. Um, so outside of that, that, that was, that was to me the most important thing, thing that I got. I was like, wow, I never would have expected that. <laughs> The second thing was when the um, the editor, um, so I worked with an editor and the editor, sometimes when we go back and forth and she would say things like, well, tell me, tell me a little bit more about this story. And then you can hear these moments when she's like, oh my gosh, this is so awesome. Because if you're not in this world and you hear about, like I just talked about hedonic bundling to you, you know, mm-hmm. or we talk <laughs> about priming, right? And you hear this stuff and, and it's this realization from the, you know, the real estate agent like we talked about or somebody who they have their own practice, they have their own skills. And all of a sudden she says, she goes, I can't believe that. And if you can hear this weird pause when she's trying to think about, holy cow, those little moments, there's little nuggets throughout your experience when you give value or when you give that that kind of beautiful moment to somebody, they're like, Wow, they're learning. And so that was, um, you know, that was, that was also night. And that did not make up for, frankly, all the hours you're in. You tell a story. She's like, nah, that's not a good story. You don't use that one. Like, oh, man. <laughs> like the time I joined the army, that got cut, right? I was like talking about how I joined the military. And, and uh, those things are painful. But those moments where you hear somebody take a breath, like, oh. You're like, yes, that's why you're doing it. That is so cool. I love this, like such a personal, you know, uh, uh, such a personal account. And I do have a lot of people that write in asking, hey, could you please ask like really practical questions about the book or how people write the book? Because I think a lot of people do feel like they have a book in them, but they just don't know what that next step is, you know. Uh, you know so that that's very, very cool. So what did yeah. you hate about writing the book? <laughs> yeah, Um I guess a part of what I loved and I hate was in the same term, accountability. So what I loved about Scribe was the company that I worked with was that they forced you to be accountable. And the way they did that was actually behaviorally economically based. They don't, I don't think they even know it. They do now, now that we've worked <laughs> with them. Um, 
And then what they do is they said, you basically pay up front to work with them. And then if you don't have a book within a year, they take, they keep your money, which is really like, wow, that's like loss aversion, right? So it forces you to really consider that, you know what, if you skip this appointment, so I'd meet with them two hours a week and they would just interview me and just interview me and interview me. And that accountability is painful for some, you know, I'm a small business, just like a lot of people out there and I have clients and I have, uh, you know, expectations to be met and things like that. And it's so easy if you're trying to do it yourself or if, even if you're working with somebody to say, oh, you know, what, let's meet on that next week. And they were so good about, OK, that's fine. But let me tell you why that, that's going to hurt you and kind of with that loss aversion stuff. So the painful part of it was really having the accountability to where you had to budget time to do this. And I'm so glad I did because I first came up with this book idea you know, or this idea that I had a book in me somewhere way back, if I think about it, it's really in 2012, mm. right? But I never actually did anything with it. It's just in my head. I started a couple book manuscripts that are really funny to look at now. Um, but it was having somebody force me to be accountable is is the thing that really um, was most painful, but also why I'm sitting here talking to you today. Mm, that is so awesome. I know, I know my listeners are going to write in something about that saying, get more authors to tell us this kind of true story, you know? Um, so tell us a little bit um, about where people can get the book. I do want to point out to people, if you want to check out uh, Will's website, it is triggerpointdesign.com. I try and be clear about, you know, people trying to find you. Uh, is, is LinkedIn your favorite place for people to connect with you? Or are you a mad tweeter or what? what's up? Yeah, right now I'll tell you, I, I most prefer LinkedIn, but I'm also on Facebook. Um, I also have um, um, Instagram accounts. I, I am also on Twitter. Um, so I'm kind of across the gamut, but LinkedIn is where I kind of share uh, more of my professional and business views. And then more on my Instagram is where you'll see more kind of personal things. Um, and they can always, always, always go to marketingtomindstates.com. And that'll actually link you right into my author uh, page where you can learn more about the book, learn more about um, system one and system two marketing. And actually at the uh, the back in the resources page, like this book was all about applicability and I did that on purpose. So I'm giving for free, like you can have these mind state profiles and these behavioral activation briefs. You just have to download them. Like I wanted this to be practical. So you should go to that site because you should, you can download everything you want. It'll tell you things like my favorite, my favorite behavioral science books in order that you should read. It'll give you things like if, let's say if you're going to start a behavioral science um, uh, group inside your organization, here's how I would do it. Like anything that I feel has helped me in my world, I'm just putting it out there. So go to marketingdomindstates.com and go to the resources tab that you'll see when you're redirected and just download, 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 because I want more and more people to use this stuff to make it kind of easier for us to do better marketing. Oh, I love it. Okay, we will put that that link in the show notes as well. And I don't know how I missed that because I read the book and, <laughs> and did I just like, you know, oh, I'm going to be talking with Will, but that's awesome. I'm going to go check out uh, Marketing to Mind States, the resources that are there. Um, and then we're going to have some fun together. So I'm, I'm so glad that we're going to be sharing yes. a stage. And uh, where are you off to in the next uh, maybe six months? I know it's got to be a little bit hectic with, you know, when it you get is. a book out there, oh, oh my gosh, now, you know, <laughs> you got to be running uh, and, you know, taking every kind of interview and and, and really promoting the book. So, you know, what does your next six months look like? Yeah, I have um, lots of corporate training events right now where corporations are asking, hey, you know what, we just want you to come in and talk more about 
kind of system one, system two or emotional marketing. So I'm doing a lot of uh, corporate events. Um, I, I'm always going to be a very big fan of any IIEX events. So I'll be doing, I'm sure, IIEX behavior, um, which would have already happened at this point in October. <laughs> I'm also going to do IIEX behavior probably in the UK uh, next spring. And of course, IIEX in the in the fall in Austin, Texas. So get to have you. Hopefully you'll meet me over here in Austin. Yeah, um, I will. Down, Actually, I'm teaching I'm teaching a master class at that one. So I will be there. You're you're I you're need to do that. We need to do that together. Oh yeah. my gosh, that would be so fun. Okay, we have enough time, so let's let, let's get that figured out. But it's so funny. Um, I'm going to be at the Bangkok um, IIEX, and then also I'll be at Asia Pacific one, and you'll be at the Europe yeah. one. And so we don't cross on that one, but we'll cross uh, back when we when we come back up to Austin. So that would be great. And yeah. Green Book, of course, been a, a great and actually a, a, a new sponsor of this uh, this podcast. So that is super cool. <laughs> and um, you know, it, it it is it is a great place where we actually really get to talk shop, you know, with people and, uh, and really yeah. hear some of these great ideas. I love the story that you shared about being around that table. And that's sometimes where, you know, some of, you know, the gloves come off and we just really talk through yeah. what is going on and how can we improve what we're doing day to day. Well, Absolutely. Will, thank you so much for coming on the show. <laughs> this has been super fun. And I'm glad that now, you know, we can, we can proceed now with being BFFs. Yes. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to being on a stage with you. Thank you for having me. And I, I just appreciate just the opportunity to share my passion with the world. And you are a part of that. So, so thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, have a great day. And from all of us here at Little Bird Marketing, happy marketing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.